but we'd always kind of tossed around ideas of businesses. And, you know, I think we, we both had that entrepreneurial spirit and, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And nothing ever stuck. Like in the 10 years before that, that we had been married, nothing had really stuck as like this, we should change our lives for this. Yeah. Until then. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Atlanta Foodcast. It's no surprise to anyone that coffee has grown into a renaissance period and has produced multiple verticals in a very short number of years. And the one that has shown more staying power, brand growth, market competition, and everything under the coffee-loving sun is cold brew. And Billy and Chastity Atchison brought Banjo Cold Brew to Atlanta right as the wave started to build. And these two have a great story to tell of how they met got into the coffee business, and built the brand. So here's a conversation that we had earlier this summer over a few cups of coffee of our own. Enjoy. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> the OG. Yes. But on the other side of the microphone here, uh, I'm joined with Billy and Chastity. And I really don't love botching people's names, but is it Atchison? Atchison. Atchison. Nailed it. So, hey, guys. Hey, how How's are it you? Going? Hello. Thanks for having us. Hey, this is a blast. So if there's something that I love maybe more than eating, it's drinking coffee. And I've had plenty of Banjo cold brew in my life. So, I mean, awesome. but that's that's a great segue. So you guys are the founders, owners, brains in charge of everything with Banjo cold brew. Yep, yep. We, uh, we, we started it a few years ago, and uh, we based it basically right out of here right out of avondale states and um yeah we've we've three years strong it's amazing yeah and we're sitting here on the patio avondale states the lovely patio yeah. get out here it's a great place though I, I really love avondale spent a lot of time here um over the years and it's it's changed it's grown in, in a good way yeah it, it has like probably the strangest feel in most of atlanta and in a really good way it's just it has its own identity it really does yeah, yeah. It, it's not decatur it's not it it is its own place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's there's sort of two sides we found to Avondale. There's the residential side and the business side. Ah. And there's this nice little strip of hedges that goes right down the middle of Avondale. Very strategically. Yeah. Yes. It's like uh, you stay on your side of Avondale <laughs> and we'll stay on ours. Jets and sharks. Like get out of my yeah. yard territory. Like, yeah. Stay yeah. out of my yard, you rambunctious kids. But it's but, super eclectic. Like there's all these niche groups. Uh you have like metal musicians and festivals around that and you have artisans and foodies and kind of the older generation the newer generation and it, yeah. it's a very eclectic mix of people yeah which we love yeah i think it's pretty cool i mean you can hang out on the patio of banjo and you're gonna run into someone who probably lives in a three-story house and has a pension and then you're sitting next to a guy who just really loves pantera yeah you know exactly yeah some guy that's that's, selling that's what's metal. great yeah, yeah, yeah that's what's great about atlanta but yeah but before we get into you know avondale and pantera and banjo cold brew <laughs> i want to get to know you guys a little bit more so i want to hear a little bit about your background and food especially these days is even more closely tied to coffee and coffee is more closely tied to food mm -hmm. you know whichever way you want to look at it it's it's definitely becoming more of its own in the culinary space so you know just riding the line of food like i want to know who cooked for you guys growing up and what kind of cook was he or she and we can like pass the mic back and forth but chastity let's start with you yeah so growing up um so i'm from rural alabama like well, you said rural, rural the proper way. I can't pronounce it the way that you did, so great job. I've been practicing my whole life. <laughs> so outside of Muscle Shoals in the 
the country. So I grew up with a lot of great uh, home cooking. Mom was the, the main cook. Uh, my stepdad was um, kind of the grill master, of course. Like he took, the, you know, traditional roles there. Um, but yeah, a lot of home comp- cooking as I grew up. I like it. So, Billy, what about you? Yeah, my mom was, uh, you know, she was the primary taker of the kids and my dad had his own business uh so she she cooked a lot for us and she's uh she's italian she's full-blooded italian uh my grandmother is the only one of her kid her for her siblings not born in america so we got a lot of italian food or italian american food uh yes please very very simple but really delicious you know straightforward meals and just using a lot of good spices ingredients things like that and um, it was pretty simplistic, but it's really, really tasty. And, and, you know, I, we, we always, you know, on holidays, we always had Italian traditional meals as opposed to Thanksgiving turkey, which took me a long time to become accustomed to Thanksgiving turkey. Cause I was always used to, you know, eating Italian sausage and, and baked pasta dishes and, and whatnot. You know, what's great about Italian food though, is that you usually eat before you eat. Yeah. Which is great. Cause you most of the time, day. yeah, you, you yeah. get to like, now it's time for dinner. It's like, I'm not even hungry. Yeah. But you have to eat more. Like you got to eat you more of like, you don't want to mess meatballs. with granny. Yeah. 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 Seriously. And she's got yeah. that big wooden spoon. I've heard so many stories of people that like, I grew up in an Italian family and like, if you know, grandma, yeah. says anything yeah. like that's the gospel that you live by. Oh yeah. Doesn't matter if it's crazy, like yeah. you do it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I've been chased out of the kitchen with spoons, sandals, Gatorade oh, yeah, the bottles. Shoe. The, the shoe, shoe is the worst. The shoe's a big just, thing. She'd kick it up in the air somehow, magically catch it while still stirring the pot of pasta. She's like and a ninja. Yeah, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Ninja oh. nan- nana. So where was home though? Where'd you grow up? Uh just south of Birmingham. Okay. Yeah, so also from Alabama. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Hey, Alabama's close. Georgia close neighbor. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I like it. Yeah. Um, but then the, the obvious next question I have for you guys is how did you two meet? Um, we went to the University of Montevallo, which is Alabama's only public liberal arts college just south of Birmingham. I, you're not surprised, but I've never heard of it. Not surprised at all. <laughs> Join not the majority. <laughs> we can all just feel comfort in there. Like, I've never heard of it. And we didn't actually hear of it till like, our junior year. So, it's all good. <laughs> We're actually attending here. We've <laughs> yes. never even heard of it. Okay, so yeah. where, where is this in Alabama? Uh, south of Birmingham, between Birmingham and Montgomery. Okay, yeah. cool. So, not terribly far. Like, 30 minutes outside of Birmingham. Gotcha. So, it was close enough, but it was still tucked into, like, this little mountain valley area so it was it felt very secluded yeah Yeah. i I went to school in southwestern virginia so getting a good taste of (laughs) like country living like mountain town appalachia Mm. yeah Yeah. like i'm i'm down with like like kids that go to georgia tech i was like you're so spoiled man like this is great you can like go eat at an amazing restaurant and like see a movie without really having to even get in a car like you actually have uber Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, there, you know, in our in Montevallo, there was I think two bars and yeah. a handful of restaurants at really best. Good Mexican restaurant that With had really cheap. strong margaritas. They nice. were super cheap, which That's was how we met. No, <laughs> <laughs> we were actually doing a play when we met. Really? Yeah. Okay, so but this is a liberal arts college, so this is where you guys meet. Yeah. And so they have uh, the longest homecoming tra- tradition in the country, and the school divides into two colors because there's no football team. So for homecoming, how else are you going to celebrate? But to divide into two colors, the school colors, gold and purple, and write, produce, and create this one-act musical in a playoff competition judged by a panel of judges 
and students. And it's just a week-long competition. What better way to solve a rivalry? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's so Go interesting. Go get them, Falcons! Quite yeah. like gold side, purple side. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, who can, who's the best thespian out there <laughs> let's let's Just go go get a team hoorah <laughs> i like that yeah okay so but what so like chastity what are you doing and billy what are you doing are you guys on same side opposing side like so we were what was the meat cute <laughs> let's see so the first time we met per in person um i was doing like roll call for our side which was the gold side and I'm going through, you know, and so and so and so and so, and then I get to Billy Atcha Atcha Atcha. It's like yes, and you're Chastity. So if we got married, you'd be Chastity Atchison. Mm. I said, <laughs> good thing that's never going to happen. And then kept going. Nice. That was our first beat. You're like cute. ah Atchison, <laughs> man, I'd really hate to have that last name. Yeah. God, I'd have to spell both all the time. <laughs> that sucked. That was the first interaction. Actually, it wasn't the first. The first was. Uh, I was doing stand-up at the time in Birmingham and there was a comedian coming through and I wanted to open for the comedian just so I could meet him and, and you know, try to pick up a few, you know, whatever points along the way of the road of the comedian. And I called Chastity because she was booking the acts and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty funny guy. I go to school here. Let me open for this guy. And she's like, great. Uh, the show's tomorrow. So we've already got the show booked. So thanks. Thanks for being last minute on that. <laughs> oh, Appreciate nice. it. So no. Oh, man. But you, you guys seem so happy and in <laughs> love with one another. So something obviously was a, a nice spark. And I, I have to remind everybody, this is not like a dating podcast. Like we're <laughs> we're gonna get to the coffee side very soon. But yeah. that was uh, that was almost 14 years ago. Or no, it was it was over 14 years ago. We've been married for 13 years now. Wow. So you guys are at Montevallo, 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 Montevallo. Yeah. <laughs> so what year did you guys graduate? 2004. Never ask a lady that. Oh, don't ever ask when you graduate college? Well, you know, you can do the math from that. Oh, yeah, oh, no. oh, yeah. Just kidding. Sorry. We'll edit that out. But so you guys, so you guys. No, <laughs> so, it's okay. It's okay. So you guys graduate from Montevallo. <laughs> and, but tell me, where does Atlanta make it into your story? So we got married uh, shortly after we graduated in the year 2000. And um, we moved to Chicago because we visited uh, that winter and New Year's and kind of fell in love with the city. We had a friend that lived there and we were wanting to get out of Alabama and it just felt right. It felt like a good move for us. And uh, we'd both been, you know, grown up in the state, never really moved around too much. And uh, it seemed accessible. It seemed relatively close, but uh, like a fun city. So we moved to Chicago. Um, you know, I, I went on the path of studying, you know, Second City and, and stand up and, and acting and things like that. Chastity found a nice job there. And uh, we moved to, from there, we got really frozen one winter. We were standing on the train platform and Chastity, you know, was oh, like. Okay, I'll tell that story. So we, I was standing on the, the platform waiting on my train to come. It's, I don't know, February, negative 15 degrees negative 40 wind chill my eyelashes were actually frozen together i got on the train and i said you know what this fourth winter has done me in i'm ready to move it's time and then that took us to la we were kind of at the time we were thinking new york or la just for the next round of life experience and uh decided la because we could defrost there yeah and i've actually been in this weather that you speak of in chicago You're calling it cold brutal like it doesn't really do it justice like when mm -hmm. you feel the tears in your eyes <laughs> freezing it's a very 
discomforting feeling. Like you, you feel like there is something happening and someone is attacking you. It's like God is mad at you. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it, and we should talk about this a little bit more because it's, it's so violent in the feeling of like cold and the Mm. fact that it's happening in this wonderful city, Chicago, you know, where you're eating, you know, Cheddar and caramel popcorn next to one another, and walking down the Miracle Mile, and right. Alinea and Sears Tower. That's and all you do. Yeah, that's that actually. <laughs> so, fun fact about Chicago: that's the only thing that you're allowed to do. Right. That's it. That's it. But then this brutal cold comes through off of Lake Michigan, yes. and you're like, "Why did we move here? Or why? Why am I visiting?" Yeah, yeah, and it's we crazy. Yeah, we. You know, it's inhumane. It's inhumane. It's just, it really is. Yeah, yeah. We've we've dug. We had a Ford Focus at the time, and it was just a foot covered in snow would cover the car. <laughs> so there was no, there was, there was no, you had to take the public transportation. Yeah. And so to take it in this weather, I was like, I'm not, it's seven o'clock in the morning. I'm not going out there to dig out a car yeah. again. Like, I'm gonna, from the South. We don't do that. I'm going to dig out my Ford Focus my from Ford the snow. Focus. So you guys make it to LA and you've defrosted. So what are you guys doing in LA? And what part of LA are you living in? Uh, we started out in Silver Lake. And Great part of LA. Yes, it was it was great. Uh, lots of creative conversations. Um, food scene was was vibrant there. Like there was the the fa place that was right down from our house, and it was so cool. It didn't even have a name out front. You know, it was one of those kind of places. Um, and I continued my marketing uh, experience there and worked for some agencies downtown. We met some really cool people. Billy continued to to get into film more there. And so you want to tell him. Yeah, uh, had had some gigs, you know, with with the film work out there, and did did a lot more stand up. Um, kind of transitioned out of improv, and did a lot more stand up. Now, keep in mind, I'm a very unsuccessful actor, so I've been in the restaurant business for like 15 years. At you know, 10, 15 years at this. That's point. That's just the prerequisite that's just, to acting. That's all you do. Yeah, 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 that's fine. That's all my friends did. Like sure. we were all, you know, we'd work 10 hours a week, yeah, and, of course. and then pretend like we were actors and <laughs> go to the. We we were very bad at golf, so we went to frisbee golf and. You know, just we're really bad at that, but it's a good excuse to drink and hang out and pretend like we were networking. Yeah, it's good. You're still on the right side, though, because you called an excuse to drink. Exactly. Exactly. Some people just go play disc golf because they they have to drink. Right. That's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you you guys are living in L.A., so you're in Silver Lake. Living in Silver Lake, yeah. So during this time, and this is just kind of a coincidence, we we live right next door to uh, the original Intelligentsia in Chicago, coffee. Whoa. Yeah. So that became sort of our introduction to coffee was that coffee shop and that, that you know, mega brand that it is now. But sure. we moved from Chicago to actually Silver Lake, which has LA's, or at the time, I think it was LA's one or two only intelligentsias. So we lived a block away from the one in LA and we're like, oh, we know this, this coffee. And um, it's been, that was sort of like our foray into specialty coffees, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So how long were you guys in LA? Five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. So you guys make it to Atlanta via... So we had a baby in LA and all, you know, all of family's here and, you know, she's wanting to be a little closer to family, but also there's this little film movement. I don't know if you've heard of this film movement in Atlanta that's, uh, that's happening now. This, this sort of... They they've filmed like a few B movies here. Yeah, and yeah, just a few yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, that that stuff's cool, man. <laughs> People should learn about that. They should, they should. So so that we were like, all right, well, Atlanta, we don't want to move back to Alabama, and, and I think Atlanta felt 
we visited uh, once or twice, and we kind of just fell in love a little bit with it. And like in in a, like not maybe not in love, but we were like, this is. Yeah, we. I don't think we realized how cool Atlanta was. I, our experience from where we lived, it was you know Six Flags and traffic, and that was Atlanta to us as kids. So when we visited as adults, it was like, wow, there's this really huge food community that we're really stoked about. And so much that happens that, um, I think Atlanta does a really great job of, like there's so much happening, but we don't have to brag about it. Like, so, you know, as to not, not to not be inviting, but it's like, no, it's just, it's just cool. We don't have to tell everybody. Yeah. One of my favorite things about a lot of people who are like born and raised in Atlanta is only if they are pushed to do so, do they actually refer to themselves as Atlantans. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're a New Yorker, like you don't even really have to ask. I mean, because you sound like one. Or if you're from Jersey, like you just right. sound like you're from there. But Atlanta, it's just like, like oh, oh yeah, and I'm, I'm from Atlanta. You know, like you kind of have to pry, you know, like yeah. it's, it's cool. It's just like, yeah, I mean, Atlanta's just a great place. Like yeah. We don't have to try and be anyone else. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a good yeah. place. So you so guys actually moved back this way to be a little closer to family. To move closer to family, my dad became sick on the sort of the way back, or right around the time we were pla uh, planning on moving, and he's in Birmingham. So I think when we moved back, you know, we we stopped over in Birmingham for about six months or so, and uh, I began working. Um, Chastity continued to work from home, and I began working at um, Bottega which is Frank Stitt. I don't know if you're familiar with the Birmingham food scene or not, but Frank Stitt uh, is the chef owner of Highlands, which just won the James Beard Award, yes. and uh, Bottega, and uh, just became sort of... I just applied to be a waiter, and then uh, you know they were like, do you have any Italian experience? I was like, oh, well, my family's Italian, and I've worked in Italian restaurants this whole time. And she's like, yeah, Maggiano's is not exactly the Italian... Uh, restaurant experience but we'll teach you how to learn about the Italian food and you know the northern Italian food and differences between that and and my first training actually uh, as a waiter was in the kitchen chopping onions peeling you know hard-boiled eggs and and sort of learning all of the basics of the menu from that side before you even hit the floor as a waiter and I was like that that kind of made me think like maybe food is something that I really want to explore in, in some way shape or form i don't know what it is but maybe food is is the way i want to go besides acting yeah so gotcha yeah so so you're working in the restaurant industry so mm -hmm. and i know that i mean coffee's already like entered your guys life in a way that you mm -hmm. know you know the upper echelon of i mean i i don't think i even really enjoyed <laughs> coffee um even in college i just wasn't much of a coffee drinker yeah and, uh, you know, it wasn't until I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, that a guy who owns a local coffee shop introduced me to how to actually drink espresso, how to mm -hmm. taste coffee, how to enjoy yep. like a proper latte. You know, but I mean, for you guys to like the, the intelligentsia is like the, that's the model. Right. That's, that's incredible. And we didn't even know how good we had it, I think. And, and, and as we traveled, you know, up and down the West coast, we would visit coffee shops and we'd bring back coffees and we'd be like, how is good? I mean, we compared everything to intelligentsia and then blue bottle came all right. Before we were so rudely interrupted by my equipment <laughs> deciding to not want to cooperate, uh, you were telling me an amazing story about how you guys made it back to Atlanta and coffee and all of that yeah. great stuff. So let's just jump back into there. So okay. you guys had a pretty amazing introduction to, to coffee everywhere right. as far as like Chicago, West Coast, and then... Right. 
And then we went to, uh, we actually took a trip uh, to visit some friends in Portland, and we discovered Stumptown. Nice. And uh, they were like, you got to go try this thing. It's called Cold Brew, and they make this really good cold brew coffee. So what year was this, though, Billy? This was 2000, and it was the year before Charlie was born, so it was 2011, 12. Yeah, 2011, 12. So this is like before that, yeah. the world really knew like the magic of cold brew. Right. Yeah. yeah. This People was like, what do you mean you're brewing your coffee with cold water, you hippies? There's pre-CB and post-CB. <laughs> In the canon of cold brew. <laughs> That's I right. like it. That's I right. Like and it. postmodern nitro and, yes. and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, man, so like 2009, so, 2012. Yeah. So we tried, we tried this and I was like, oh my God, this is the best coffee i've ever tasted in my life i didn't know coffee could taste this way and i didn't have to add milk to it and i didn't have to add sugar to it and and i think we we both went back and we were like looking for it around la and they hadn't even gotten distribution down to la yet because i was going to a lot of grocery stores or whole foods and checking it out and i think it was hard to find there was there was not a lot of cold brew if if really any on the market at that time and um you know, it wasn't like a, you know, this thing, this life-changing moment, but it was like one of those things where, you know, you look for this, this product when you, when you go to the store and you hope it's there type of thing. Yeah. So we get back to Atlanta or we moved to Birmingham, we moved to Atlanta and, you know, over those last few years, we're drinking cold brews and we get here and, uh, um, I began training for this race, this ultra marathon and we begin, you know, seeking out a good cold brew, um, you know, it, we, we find a couple and, and we, we try them and they're great. But, you know, it, it there's nothing like making your own cold brew as well. Like it's, it's you know, it's messy, but it's fun and you get to play with different beans and, and things like that. Um, so while I was training for this race, all I really wanted to drink in the mornings before I went and ran in the Georgia summer was cold brew coffee as a way to start out that day. And so, you know, Chastity would come down and I'd have like, you know, 10 mason jars on the counter. And I'd be like, which one of these do you like best? Some are single origins, some are blends. <laughs> some have notes of cherry, some are chocolate. Uh, and, you know, we, that's, was sort of what led into Banjo was, was experimenting kind of out of this need for this like substance and, and that we were, we were missing. And, and I think we were both just tired of, of what we had been doing for about 10, 15 years. And, and we were looking for something different. And, and after one long run, I came home and I was like, let's just put this stuff in a bottle. And you've got the experience on the branding side and the marketing side. And like, we could pick one of these and maybe see if this works, if this is a thing. And, and so we kind of went with it. Nice. Yeah. And just to, to back up a little bit. When we first moved to Atlanta and we were looking for places, um, we actually, we were kind of tossing around the food cart idea. Did we want to start a food business? Would it be a food cart or a food truck? And Billy actually took a class at prep. It was like a full day class or something at Prep Kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was- Shout out to Prep. They they follow us on Instagram. I like those guys. A lot of good people have come in and out of there. Yeah, Yeah, it's good space. So he, he took a class while I was out looking for apartments. That, that was our game plan for the day. I found us an apartment. He found the next stage of life. <laughs> Let's just go right down the middle. Right, Everything right. that's important, you take this you take one. take side. I got this. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, so originally, you guys didn't really have the idea of like starting a, a cold brew business or a coffee shop right. really from the outset. Right. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we, I think we both had, had always joked like, oh, we're going to work together someday. You know, yeah, jokingly and... and uh, it, it just sort of, yeah, it just sort of happened. And it, it wasn't like this, it was, it was kind of like a heat stroke revelation, you know, after running for 10 miles, you know, you come home, like, I just, 
start a business, you make brands, I make bean water yeah, type of thing. Um, <laughs> that was your business plan. But we'd always kind of tossed around ideas of businesses. And, you know, I think we, we both had that entrepreneurial spirit. And, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And nothing ever stuck. Oh, like in the 10 years before that, that we had been married, nothing had really stuck as like this. We should change our lives for this. Yeah. Until then. So, but I mean, obviously the, the vertical of cold brew is what really speaks to you guys. And I, and obviously at this point, you know, there's, I mean, there's probably a little bit of a void of where there's just an Atlanta brand that's cold brew, at least as I know it. I mean, and the first place that I ever had cold, uh, banjo was, I mean, at, at the farmer's market and we'll get into that obviously, but, uh, but you know, most of the cold brew that I was having, even in North Carolina, it's because there was a coffee shop but they were making their own and then bottling. And, you know, I mean, it was obviously something that they had more of like a retail side, but as far as like being a brand and then getting your cold brew into a local market, that's not whole foods. I, I mean, even when we moved to Atlanta back in like 2013, Mm -hmm. I I just don't really remember it being like ubiquitous, you know, there wasn't like 19 to choose from like there is today. Right. You know, it's, it's like the market for, cold brews and i think that type of beverage has like just exploded and and, you know a lot of people you know uncertain if it was here to stay if it is going to stay i don't know but it seems to be growing and constantly you know evolving and and becoming its own its own sort of niche yeah but even when we moved here uh four years ago there was hardly any like it over the past three years we've seen the category change dramatically and specifically in the southeast so it's been amazing to be part of that yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I, I just I think it's a it's an interesting side of the coffee industry. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, where where cold brew enters the culinary space is what I've found to be so interesting. Right. So having a cocktail with cold brew is really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, it, it's just amazing what it's done to like to the space in general. You right. know. So hang on, let's pause for a second. It's just that. I was wondering. I was like, okay, what else is freaking out right now? <laughs> my, a, my Zoom is just going to tell me, like, we don't like your batteries. Yeah. It's going to start making noise. It's all right. But, um, but no, it's, it's, yeah. it's so interesting to see how cold brew, I mean, Chastity, to your point, has grown so much. Just in, I mean, we could even probably truncate that into two years, but it's really mm-hmm. been over probably like the last three to five. Right. But it's become its own part of the coffee space. Right. And you know, whether, I mean, again, whether you're a shop creating your own or you're a brand that has more of like the retail mindset, it has changed the way that people drink coffee, no doubt. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and, you know, you know, I think a lot of coffee shops started out by making cold brew using older beans. They were like, you know, we've got these beans left over. What do we do with it? And so for us, you know, to try cold brews at, at different places back then, you know, we were, we were, yeah, some were great. Some were, some were, you could tell they were stale. Um, so when we were thinking about it, we were like, let's just get the best, freshest beans and just try to consistently make that same batch of cold brew over and over and over again. So, yeah. uh, and I think, you know, it does have a really cool spot in the market. I think, you know, for mixers to, you know, blending with smoothies or, or recipes or baking cakes with it or whatever you're doing with it, you know, it's got a lot of versatility as a beverage. Um, yeah. Other than just having it straight. So, yeah. So before we get too much into like the banjo cold brew business side of things, mm-hmm. like tell me about the origin of the name. You're not wearing shorts today. That's true. <laughs> I have a tattoo of a banjo on my knee. Oh. Because we are from Alabama. With the banjo and on my knee. And that's what everybody does there. 
They just come from Alabama with banjo on their knee. You're going to just like text me and yeah. be like, hey, dude, I'm wearing shorts today if you want to swing by the shop. So I'll do that. Okay, perfect. But, Good okay, so that's an amazing story. I mean, as someone with tattoos myself, people yeah. recognize like I have a giant whisk on my right arm. Right. You know, so like there's always a story. And I love that. People even ask you like, oh, is there a story behind that tattoo? Yeah. It's like you really don't know much about art on people's bodies do you there's yeah. always a story and i don't think i know about <laughs> art on my body to be honest uh it was more or less a joke i am a long-term friend growing up it was like hey let's think of the weirdest thing to put on us and he's like hey how about a hand-drawn banjo that i can draw for you on the car right over the tattoo parlor and i can get slapped on your knee i was like let's do it nice let's do it and we'll deal with the consequences later sure of yeah. having art on your body forever nice. so that's where the name that, comes from uh, that's part of it i think we wanted something that was the i mean you know the i guess the marketing side of it is we wanted something that was synonymous with southern experience and and something yeah. that was fun easy um and approachable too we wanted it to be warm and not pretentious you know something that was you know part of a community versus you have to enter a very sterile universe of coffee. Sure. It's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, I think it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I love the nod to the South and I really love that it's got, you know, just a, a cool story. I always love to know like the origin of a name, unless yeah. it's, you know, I don't know. I haven't really interviewed anyone for the show where it's like just two people's last names and right. it kind of sounds like a law firm. Hartsfield Smith. But yeah. Pizza. Just, yeah. Something, which is just like, I don't really need to ask you the origin of the name, but yeah. what's the like etymology of your last name? Like you from yeah. the Nordic region of the world or what? But, um, but no, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, and, I, and we still to this day don't know how far we're going with it, but we wanted something that if it did grow regionally or nationally that people could say, okay, well, it's southern. It's, sure. It's this part of the country. You know, it's, you know, Portland or... Uh, Joyride coffee out of New York or places that seem like they're parts of these country of the country. You know, we wanted something that was southern. So, it's yeah, part of it too. Yeah. So, but you guys actually got your start. So, like, you get to the point where you guys are actually making cold brew. Are, are you? And did you guys actually end up doing this out of prep? Uh, we didn't only because we found a space here uh, in Avondale, shared kitchens, um, which was a block away from our house. And so having a one-year-old, wow. knowing how far you have to travel, knowing yeah. you know what what's involved, how you know you don't know what your schedule is going to be like. We didn't really plan on, you know, doing anything other than farmers markets that first year, other than trying to get into stores with mason jars or something with coffee in it. We didn't know what that was going to look like, um, but yeah, we found shared kitchens here and uh, found a nice deal on a package. And uh, moved in, and and uh, that was where we got started. But there was other people there too, like uh, Treehouse was there. Banner Butter, I think, had yes. just left. Um, and honestly, I mean, you know, by the time that this episode airs, I uh, Drew McBath was uh, episode number ten of the show, yeah. and actually, uh, just a few weeks ago now, uh, Best Way Aunt from Treehouse. Yeah. Uh, so her episode will probably come just a little bit before you guys. Yeah. So awesome. shout out, shout out to both of those guys. Yeah. Those guys yeah. are amazing. You guys are great. Okay. And remember those times at shared kitchens where like you were at your table and I was at my table and you were making almond milk and pecan milk and I was making coffee and we just would just drink and laugh. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, I was, I, but you know, yeah. and honestly, <laughs> that's I know how it that, was. I know that it's not like a normal thing for people and, but you know what? Put some butter in your coffee, too. It's not a bad idea. Oh, my God. I love that, like putting butter in my coffee. What's that called? Um, bulletproof. 
coffee. You mm-hmm. do that in a little MCT oil, little medium chain triglycerides, bonds to your cells immediately, get some caffeine. Maybe that's another podcast episode. I don't know. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, we'll do that and your banjo tattoo. There you go. Yeah. So you guys are working in shared commercial space. Yes. And let's spend some time talking about cold brew, like the actual process, because fairly simple. I mean, I guess in theory, but let's, uh, let's break it down. So how are you guys actually making and bottling banjo cold brew? How did we start or how are we now? I guess. Let's start with how you started. How we started. Yeah, yeah. Um, we started, you know, pretty sim- simply with, uh, it wasn't quite a toddy system because, um, you know, nothing against toddy system is a very similar process, but we wanted something that was a little bit more sustainable. So we found these reusable bags that we could, we could wash, oh, wow. rinse, clean. Um, and for people who don't know what a toddy system is, I mean, right. it's basically a giant five gallon bucket. Fi- yeah. Bucket meets Cambro. Yeah. Has a spout. And, yeah. it's, and a paper filter that yeah. goes inside. You throw your coffee grounds in it. Right. You let it steep for however long you want. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably if if cold brews entered somewhere, like I think everybody has done that process right. at some point in their cold brew business. Right. So and and you know also to that we we had tried making concentrates. We had tried doing that and then diluting it to be the recipe like a ready to drink recipe. We knew we wanted a ready to drink product. Um, we, that you didn't have to do any work for. And so we found a good formula that was, we were able to brew the coffee to where it's just ready to drink straight out of the batch. And using these bags, you just have to pull the bags, you know, kind of press them out, um, and, and you have ready to drink delicious cold brew coffee. You don't have to add any water to it. And the, you know, sort of the result is this really just right off the bat delicious cup of coffee that's strong, it's, flavorful you get all the notes you get less you know the acid and things like that but um but we started very simply making a few five gallon buckets of every other day every couple of days we started with one or two farmers markets so we weren't making that much i think our first farmers market we sold maybe a gallon total we brought home about 70 dollars in sales nice. <laughs> we were like so we're so excited how are we going to support ourselves and our child on seventy dollars <laughs> a market every Sunday. Oh man! So, but soon after that um, is when our thirty-two ounce haulers, when we launched those, and and the at the time ten ounce bottles, and we started just shopping them around locally, like Oakhurst Market and the Mercantile, and um, they those two shops are actually the the first two that that took our bottles, and that was like month one after we launched. So, I think that point we we're like, okay. Okay, we, we've made the first step. This is awesome. And this is back in 2015. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and keep in mind, we didn't have an investor. We didn't start with any sort of, like, funding. It was, it was us two, my friend Sebastian, uh, who's our third partner. Shout out to Sebastian Cagle. What's up, bro? And uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's got a full-time job, but he's, he's here in spirit, always, in his German spirit. He's a German exchange student, lived with my family in high school. Wow. And uh, he lived here with his wife, and we moved back to Atlanta. I was like, hey, I want to start a food truck. He was like, all right, I'm in. Just tell me what we need to do. <laughs> it's a true friend. True friend. Nice. Like, we, just, we just say yes, and we figure out how. Does he have a banjo tattoo on his knee? He doesn't. He has no. a German flag tattooed across his face. Oh, even better. Yeah, even, even better. better. 
<laughs> oh uh, man but you guys are you guys are reaching a point where now like the business has potential right. to grow right um yeah so so we get into a few stores um we start you know trying to figure out okay do we start doing more farmers markets because that's you know, right, the cash flow, I guess, of the business. And, and how do we grow the bottle side by supporting it through the farmer's market side? And uh, farmer's market sites become marketing avenues for us and how we, you know, we strategically pick, you know, like five or six farmer's markets around the city that are close to stores that we start getting in so we can direct people to those stores on the weekend, on the weekdays while we're doing the farmer's markets on the weekends and vice versa. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's sort of, that was our marketing strategy was let's just really guerrilla style grow this thing. And I really think the, that helped us really hone our formula and our talking points and like really how to explain our product is specifically to our customers. And that's, you know, we didn't know how long we would do farmer's markets, but it's become integral to our business because that's your touch point. We don't, we're not, you know, looking at our product in a store, wondering what people are thinking. Like they just, you know, customers tell us. And we've been able to refine that over time from feedback and um, super loyal customers that have followed us from farmer's markets to stores and now at the shop too. And, you know, I think that's been a huge part of like us keeping our, you know, your ear to the ground, but also like really in touch with our customers yeah. and understanding our product better and what's important to others. Yeah. And I mean, just, speaking as like being a customer of banjo you know i mean without even knowing you two i mean just it's it's kind of a building block of a visit to the farmer's market on the weekend like the green market at piedmont is the one that we go to the most frequently and like as soon as we make it into the sea of people who are there for you know baked goods and gelato or whatever else is you know coming out or you know kombucha but like for us it's always like my wife and i are sharing like you know cold brew coffee like that's just the thing is like we're gonna get other things but like while we're walking around like it's it's just it's kind of like you know you stop at the gas station you're gonna get like a drink you know but it's kind of the same thing is like that's just what you get when you go to the farmer's market so i think it's brilliant i mean it but it's it's the perfect it's the perfect model for you guys to get that product into people's hands and then i mean but then like the next step like having that that howler in your fridge mm -hmm. you know which you know i mean it's it's amazing like having that bottle of cold brew you know, in your fridge at home too. It's, um, especially when you have small children, Yeah, you don't have to take time to brew it. You just yeah. pour it. And, 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 and we're maybe a little crazy. We brew a Chemex every morning, but it, now it's just easy. My kids are older, so I can just be like, just stop what you're doing. Dad's busy. But, uh, but yeah, when there's cold brew in the fridge, it's like, it's just that much easier. It's like, sweet. I just bought back like four minutes, yeah. you know, now it's just easy, <laughs> but sometimes those four minutes make all the difference. Yeah. But, but you guys really got started at farmer's markets, but it's still a part of your guys' business today. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, the first year, I think we did seven farmer's markets throughout wow. the week. Mm. And, like, from Avondale Estates to Kennesaw and everywhere in between. And Billy and I were doing the majority of them at the time. It's a lot of hard work. Kind of yeah. switching off with the kids and the business. Yeah. I mean, but you you got to hoof it. I mean, because, they're, they're, I mean, the best thing about Atlanta, I mean, there's so many farmer's markets. Like, it used to just be Peachtree Road. And now, I don't even know. I can't even count anymore. You know, there's some, and now like the West side with like the Beltline and like people are moving to like, you know, their park and college park and mm. there's farmer's markets. Ever. I mean, there's one on Tuesdays at, you know, Pond City Market yeah. and <laughs> there, you can just go anywhere. And, but you know, with, with that, and it's, it's another avenue for you guys to market a product. Like it increases the amount of, you know, time that's required for you guys for the business. So that's, that's a lot of work to be hoofing it, man. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, the second year we did 
probably about 12 markets, even more. Wow. Every day of the week, we were doing a farmer's market. And, you know, we, we realized how not sustainable that was personally, relationship-wise, family-wise. Uh, sure. You know, I got to go. I got to run to Marietta again. Um, we had a, yeah, we had a few people working for us uh, at that point, working with us. And, um, you know, this year we, we have dialed it back. We still want to do farmer's markets and be a part of the community, but we've had to kind of pare it down a little bit and say, you know, like these, these markets really feel close. We're not physically in this area of the city, so we use those markets as a way to sort of be and connect to the people on that side of the the city, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so tell me a little bit about the business today, because we're—I mean—we're sitting here at your shop in Avondale Estates. So, I mean, you guys opened a shop, and what year was this? Uh, it was last year. Last, last year, last January. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was uh, uh, three hours ago. We yeah, just, we just opened it. Uh, what, what day is today? Yeah, this is a grand opening. Yeah. It was right before <laughs> uh, the England-Croatia game which okay, just yeah, started, yeah, yeah. and England wins. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We'll see. <laughs> just happened. But uh, but you guys opened the coffee shop here in Avondale last year. Last so we're talking year. 2017. Correct. So. Yeah. Um, 2017. Um, we were looking for a brewery space that you know we could really sort of branch out and kind of grow and expand. Um, weren't really looking for a coffee shop, and uh, you know Avondale is such a tight knit community. I think we were looking at a space over here in um, Rusty from Pine Street uh, Market. Uh, we walked over to talk to him to ask him about, you know, questions of something. And, and he was like, How, how's that space come along? And we're like, good, good. You know, we're, we're running some, some issues here and there. And um, he's like, oh, well, I hear this coffee shop in over here on the other block is looking to sell. And we're like, okay, like, we don't really want to do a coffee shop, but uh, we're looking for production space. He's like, well, yeah, but you, know, you might want to go talk to him. I'm like, all right. So we walked over that minute to get some coffee. Literally walked two blocks down to get some coffee and talked to the, the then owner of the place. Which was Urban Grounds, and, and yeah. they've been here for, for 13 years and, and yeah. really established part of, yeah, of great. the community. And great little spot. Yeah, and she was, you know, she was just, she was just over, over the business, I think, and, and ready to move on in a new chapter of her life, and, and she was really nice about everything and very upfront, and, and uh, I think we caught her literally the day before she put the place on the market. <laughs> So it wow. was it was kind of a, a fun like opportunity. We're like, all right, well, let's go home and think about it. And it's like, is the word kismet? Kismet? Yeah. It was. It was definitely one of those moments that we never could have predicted, and it certainly wasn't like part of the business plan and all. But it was organic, and it fell into our laps in a sense. Like, okay, well, let's let's see if we can do this. Nice. Yeah. And and you know, for us, um, cold coffee in the winter is not a big hit it's not a bad hit but it's 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 a you know single just a quick hit right yeah. um so we were we kept you know leaning on the phrase winter is coming a lot heard about it yeah yeah um and so we we thought this might be a good winter plan was to have an outlet for our cold brew a way to brew hot consistently um a way to survive a winter again because you know the first winter it was very tough with a one-year-old and at this point we had uh our second little joy on the way and we didn't know what we were going to do so uh so that was kind of so the original name for this place was actually called winter's plan oh i like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it, it kind of it kind of fell into play and then um 
you know, I think behind all of this, our, our uh, roaster, Cafe Campesino, um, has been uh, very fantastic with supporting us and, and giving us all, you know, sort of like, you know, tools to just good firsthand knowledge of, of you know, what the coffee world is, is really about. And, and they were happy to sort of, you know, become sort of an intricate part of this, this shop with us. And so we, you know, we found a way to kind of merge our brand with serving their coffees and in and, and the hot side and really create an outlet for our cold brews on tap. So we have, you know, several cold brews on tap, nitros, and we have their espresso bar and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Are you guys using their beans for your cold brew now? Yep. That's awesome. Yep. We've, we've, uh, we've, for the last couple of years, we have only been uh, Cafe Campesino. Hmm. Um, they roast beans for us. Uh, we get them, we actually got them delivered about two hours ago, fresh every Wednesday. That's awesome. Um, and they're all organic, fair trade. And uh, the reason that we were always attracted to them, like after we met Bill Harris, um, was because they've been building these relationships for like two decades. Wow. And ethical sourcing was, I mean, that was just one of our values. Like we absolutely, from the very beginning, we we're like local food, ethical sourcing, make sure that we, you know, participate in that in a wholehearted way. And, um, we, that those are not relationships you can build overnight with coffee and so we started working with Cafe Campesino and um, you know they've built the co-op they do their importing and it really goes from farm to them to us and that's you know it, the the stuff you get in the uh, grocery stores sometimes that's like 10 to 13 steps on a supply chain whereas with us it's many many fewer steps yeah and and just to, to speak a little bit about the sustainable practice of good coffee and good growing and a mm. good partnership you know where you're actually letting the the plant produce as it's supposed to instead of plucking it when it's not even ripe and then you're just roasting it like to hell and back right. and just to to leach any flavor out of it but the you know it's it's not actually putting the practice into it and it's really not making it sustainable from a job standpoint or like really taking care of like how this product is a part of the earth and um, it's it's not it's not the most um, it's not the most common common practice in the commodity side of things you know so when you're working with a more specialty product like you know I mean I think there's so many guys here in Atlanta that make up the the coffee community that perpetuate the same you know importance of sustainable coffee and really what it means and I mean all, all great guys from you know uh, man counterculture and guys from brash and spiller park and east pole like you know they're they're utilizing the the bean in the way that it is the most respectful to the farmer to the person who's sourcing it and then bringing it or giving it to them and it's a huge part of the industry you know that i i think it just needs a little bit more of the light of day for people to understand like yes this coffee comes from el salvador and it's not exactly just someone you know put it in the mail right there's a lot more that goes to it than that yeah yeah Yeah. and and yeah, like she said, you know, these relationships don't happen overnight. And, and when we met Bill, um, you know, he was telling us a story about how he established, you know, co-op coffees was through, and I know you've talked to Matt and Elaine uh, from Chocolato, yeah. uh, and they're part of sort of, you know, this co-op uh, as well system. Uh, but he was talking about how, you know, they, uh, they were at Habitat for Humanity. They were building houses in Guatemala. And they were trying to build this one structure next to this coffee plant. And this farmer reacted in a way that was like, please, please don't touch the plant. Like, you can you can build over there, but don't touch the plant. They're like, well, we have to put this wall here. He's like, no, 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 no. And he stood in front of the plant. And that became such an important, you know, why was that farmer protecting that plant? It was because that one plant produced X amount of beans, which provided his family's, you know, 
livelihood for however long. And so that, you know, made Bill, you know, switch from, from this habitat and, and sort of switch over to the coffee world and say, okay, well, how can we, you know, honor this farmer, honor his process, support them, but also bring this really tasty product back to the States and, and, and go from there. So yeah, they created this really cool concept and, um, yeah, we, we kind of really have just become family with them. So they're, they're, they're great. They're definitely a part of our brand and, um, we could not have been here without them. So, yeah, yeah. that's huge. You know what I mean? I just, I love your guys' story, you know, from end to end, you know, of like how you guys met and then ended up in food and then coffee and then, you know, Chicago to LA back to the South. And now we're sitting on the patio at Banjo. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you guys, I know it's, it's hard to like take a pause and like, you've got the business, you've got kids and like, but when you actually like pause and you look at your story, like from a timeline, like it's a pretty amazing tale guys. And now like you're still bottling cold brew and now you've got a coffee shop. And I mean, like I've, I've come here several times, you know, and it's just a great feel. I mean, I love a good coffee shop, you Thanks. know, but, um, but it's just great to see how the business has grown. And I mean, if you go through your website, I mean, and, and there's plenty of places we just shop on the regular, you know, even outside of just, you know, any, any of the farmer's markets where you can mm-hmm. get banjo but like it's it's just really cool to see the brand that you guys have grown and i mean again like i am always like super rah rah and like fist pumping when i'm like that's an atlanta brand dude like but it's like it's born here it's made here and you know like it's um it's just cool i love what you guys have built with banjo it's really cool thank you we appreciate it we i don't think we anticipated where it's going we don't still know where it's going but we're happy to be here and we love that atlanta has embrace us and and to the extent that they have and and we want to continue to thrive here and and this is where we are this is home so yeah this is this is where we're putting down roots like kids are starting to school we've got the business and this is this is our home now awesome well i am all for three to five to 20 more years of banjo and i won't stop right. drinking this stuff I don't know so if we are but no <laughs> oh man but uh but again like i i just love you know what you guys have built here and um thank you again for for being on the show it was Thanks so good to, yeah. to catch up with you and, and hear everything so you know we'll uh we'll, we'll see you here or at a farmer's market and you know cold brew in hand yes <laughs> awesome Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Many thanks go out to Billy and Chastity for joining me here on the show. It is such a pleasure meeting entrepreneurs like these two, and it makes me absolutely love supporting their brand. And if you would like to do the same, you can find their bottled cold brew at Whole Foods or Sevenanda and Little Five Points or Oakhurst Market and several other markets and restaurants throughout the city. Go and pay these guys a visit or check them out at BanjoColdBrew.com. And you can also visit their shop, which is in Avondale, and grab a latte or nitro-brewed tea. And of course, you can pick up plenty of cold brew coffee. And with that, until next time, I cannot wait to bring you guys more stories from local chefs, culinary entrepreneurs, and people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Thanks again for listening to the Atlanta Foodcast.